Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea frustrated by Man United as captain goes from Giorgini. No to Giorgini. Whoa. We look ahead to Watford on Wednesday and round up the rest of the Chelsea news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight out of Cobham. Welcome to another week with Chelsea Top of the League listener. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, talking at you. I've got two of the Athletics finest with me. I'll be doing all I can to try and engineer some kind of Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher-style bust-up between them. Uh, Dominic Fifield, why did Cristiano Ronaldo come back to Manchester United? <laughs> to win trophy! No, no. Oh, good grief. Who cares? <laughs> um, Liam Toobie's with us too. Uh, would you care to disagree with Dom in a way which starts off dismissively and ends up leaving me, the host, and possibly Jimmy Floyd? Hasselbank feeling a bit uncomfortable? No, I, I would definitely have been the Hasselbank in that scenario, just sitting there <laughs> watching the world burn and smiling warmly. <laughs> he must have known that he was going to become a meme at that point. Maybe not Jamie Carragher's Twitter profile picture too. Uh, listen, if you're outside the UK, basically after the game on Sunday, Roy Keane and Jamie Carragher had a bit of a set to in the Sky Sports studio, and uh, it was very, very amusing. Uh, we better get to it then, uh, the it specifically being the game at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. Whistle blows, bit of a pause. Here he comes, Jorginho with the jump, finds the bottom corner. Chelsea are level. Jorginho, the master again from the penalty spot. It's Chelsea 1, Manchester United 1. We had uh, full control in all, in all moments, except for one. Uh, we got punished for a big mistake, this can happen. Dealt with it, came back, we did everything to win the game. I'm absolutely happy with the performance. We were the much better side, but sometimes in football it's like this. Chelsea won, Manchester United won, then a frustrating afternoon at Stamford Bridge. The Blues had 66% possession, 24 shots at goal, but needed a Jorginho penalty to rescue a point after the same player had gifted United and Jaden Sancho a goal just after half-time. Uh, Dom, like me, you were at Stamford Bridge for this one. Your, your piece for The Athletic focused on the wastefulness of Chelsea and there wasn't really much else you could draw from this game. I didn't think they had all the possession, all the chances and it was Burnley all over again. It was and it wasn't. After Burnley, I was I was fairly calm about the situation and, and, and I think Tuchel seemed to be as well. Um, it just felt freakish, the Burnley result, because it, Chelsea was so utterly, utterly, utterly dominant in that game um, and should really have put them to bed, should put the, the result to bed a lot sooner. Um, against United, I think there was, there was slightly more cause for concern there because... The machine didn't function quite as well. For all they, the numbers suggest otherwise. For all you know, you, you look at the number of chances. Twenty-four, I think it was again. As you say, sixty-six percent of the possession, fifteen corners, I think, about thirty-six crosses. Um, I still didn't think that it was as fluent a performance, and particularly 
the absence of Chilwell was keenly felt. Alonso, Alonso, there has to be an amount of sympathy for him because he has, he has had his own ankle problems. He hasn't played an awful lot recently. We are expecting him to hit the ground running and just fill in this void from for Ben Chilwell uh, now that he's he's absent for the, at least the rest of the year. Uh, and maybe that's asking too much of Alonso. Um, but the, the very fact was that they didn't make the same inroads against United as they have done in recent games. Um, and it had effects on on Reece James on one side as well. They were United were able to double up far easier on him and nullify him than they had been when Chilwell was in the team, providing a double threat. And when you when you see that in that context, and then you then you confront the sort of striker issue where all the chances seem to fall to Timo Werner, and he did look anxious in in the way that we we know he does too often, and and it really wasn't the type of game in which he was likely to flourish in as much as United were just sat so deep and there was no space for him to run and stretch them. It, it just felt as if it all was a bit too clunky. The machine, there was a spanner in the work somewhere on the line. Um, and the, the very fact that it took so long for Tuchel to sort of react to that in the second half and the substitutions were so late, I think just added to this, the, the anxiety within the stadium. Um Plus, when you when you see how United counted for that period around the goal, I mean, it was long, long balls, particularly from Chelsea corners. Clearances from Chelsea corners were causing all manner of problems. So, I think there were there were more there were more concerns around that draw, that wasteful draw, than there were around the wasteful draw against Burnley. And it's really it's going to be intriguing to see how Tuchel uh, reinstills the the confidence and the the smoothness to Chelsea's approach in the next few games. Liam, it's a, it's a difficult problem to dissect in a lot of ways, isn't it? Because on the face of it, looking at this game and Burnley, you just say, oh, well, you know, if they had their shooting boots on, they would have won the games, etc. But days before, they put four past Juventus and last weekend they won 3-0 at Leicester. So there's kind of an inconsistency to this this poor finishing, which, which makes it more difficult to solve, I guess. Yeah, it just feels like if you don't have like an A-plus reliable goal scorer, which Chelsea don't... Um, and haven't had since Diego Costa left the club. Um, you leave yourself open to this kind of variance. They've got a lot of players that are feast or famine in front of goal, and if they're all famine on the same day, it's uh, it, it's a big problem. No matter who you're playing, uh, I I felt actually I agreed with what Tuchel said after the game. He didn't necessarily refer to it explicitly, but I thought the Hudson Odoi chance was so crucial in the, in the way the game played out. He just has to score, and he—I mean—he said as much after the game on on Twitter. He knows he has to score that chance, um, and if he does, United's game plan is shot to pieces inside four minutes, and the entire game is completely different. They don't—that Sancho goal doesn't happen, I don't think, because Chelsea are not so overcommitted at attacking set pieces and. Um, yeah, it. we know that this Tuchel team are not great at chasing. They're much, much better front runners in games and controlling games. And if they'd had that opportunity against United, which they haven't actually had too many opportunities to do against United in recent meetings, which is what part of the reason they've had such a poor record against them. Um, I think this could have been a, a relatively straightforward win, a bit closer to Juventus, even factoring in the absences. I mean, you look at the XG map, uh, Chelsea are 2.81, which is a very healthy figure, despite what Dom says about things looking a little bit clunkier 
um, in attack. And I, I thought Werner was a bit of a a bit of a trade off up front, really, because yes, you know what he takes away in terms of his composure in front of goal, and it wasn't really the game for him in terms of spacing behind. But his movement across the front line, I think, made things more difficult for United in the first half than maybe a fixed reference point, as Tuchel says, with with, with Lukaku. I think Bayern Lindelof would have much preferred that um, because Chelsea's fluidity and the way they interchange positions really caused United problems. Having said that, once Sancho scored, I was a bit surprised Tuchel didn't bring Lukaku on earlier in the second half because as soon as, as, soon as United really, really parked the bus and had something to defend, I thought it really was a game for Lukaku. And similarly, Pulisic... And Mount, I mean, Pulisic did actually make an impact when he came on on the right. Admittedly, that forced Reese James onto the other other side. I had a question for for Liam, really, um, because I I'm, I'll freely admit I'm a novice when it comes to accepting accepting not understanding but accepting XG. <laughs> now, we can use XG as a oh that's that's a great example of how many good chances Chelsea created and therefore it shouldn't be a con- cause of concern. But when it, I think it was two point seven or something against Burnley, and two, as you say, two point eight against against United. And Chelsea are only scoring one goal. Then surely, actually, the XG flips on its head, and it becomes a, my God, you're underperforming here, and you're not taking your chances, and that actually damns them even more, doesn't it? Well, I mean, there's a broader question of whether you should ever really expect a goal from Timo Werner, um, <laughs> but the the other thing that people don't really talk about with XG. Um, that you know, I've, I've talked to our analytics guys about a little bit is that it also doesn't take into account um, sort of game state. So the fact that Chelsea were chasing and pushing for ninety minutes means their XG is going to be higher, as it was against Burnley and United, zero point eight six. But part of the reason why it's so low is because they got one great chance, scored it, and then defended for the rest of the game. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily tell the whole picture. And I do, yeah, I, I do think. When it is that high for 90 minutes, it's more indicative of Chelsea straining and not getting there. As, as you say, Dom, and it can become another thing that you can use to to kind of damn their finishing as much as talk about their creation. Um, they, I mean, they just need to find some sort of ruthlessness from somewhere. And this is what Lukaku was bought for. So in many ways, it was a bit of a shame that, you know, they've missed him in the last few weeks because it's slowed down that adaptation process that needs to happen in order for him to really hit the ground running in this team and, and, and this team to go up another level in the final third. So the goals had already been scored by the time Lukaku did come on. Sancho with United's um, after Jorginho's mistake. I, I don't know why, but Thomas Tuchel's description of it really made me laugh when he said that Jorginho was heavily disturbed by the lights. <laughs> um, okay, fine. Uh, it, it took some... It, it took some Trying to find a nice word to use. Took some grit and some confidence and some some character, I think is the word I'm looking for, Dom, for, for Jorginho to take that penalty, not just because of this mistake, but because of the ones that he'd taken for Italy and missed of late. I know Nick Miller's got a piece up on the site about Jorginho's penalty technique. There was a little adjustment to it and, and you could hardly hit a better penalty. So at least he made amends for the error. He did. That was the alternative piece, uh, really, that I was considering post match just to just to look at really that that was it nineteen minutes between his his mistake um with the disturbed lights and um 
and the penalty, and and not not least, okay, the taking of the penalty was very calm, as you say, but there was also a long period before that penalty was actually taken, a couple of minutes just waiting around for um, various bodies to be picked up off the turf. I think it was Thiago Silva who'd just been who'd been fouled by Juan Bissaka to concede the penalty, and it, yeah, it was a it was a show of character and a show of the strength of his character that he that he put it so so well into the corner. Uh, he actually played. He played really, really well in that first half. He was very, very calm on the ball, and some of his, some of the, the, the sort of gathering of possession and the very calmly taking away from players. He lifted one, one ball beautifully over uh, a United player's outstretched leg when he as he was coming in for challenge in that first half, and it was it was one of those sort of stand up. Wow, that's that the skill involved in doing that at pace is is quite something. But for that. 19 minute period he looked quite understandably utterly frazzled i mean it it really got to him that the, the loss i mean not least his reaction to to the mistake where he's still standing just outside the center circle sort of berating the world and looking up to the heavens whilst sancho is motoring off into the distance and and putting the the, the ball in i mean there's no there's no thought that you know, Mendy might save it and it could ricochet out and he, he needed to be the, in there to try and disrupt um, Rashford or taking the follow-up. But You know what it reminded me of, Dom? Go on. Um, 2012 in the new Camp, Xavi watching <laughs> Torres run in on, on Victor Valdez. There was just no hope of um, salvation. He just knew. It was, it was one of those moments, wasn't it? Everybody knew what was going to happen. And the way that Sancho actually... He, he just waited for Mendy just to show a bit, didn't he? Just to which which way he, he actually gave go. him the eyes. Yeah, very. He gave very him clever. the eyes. It was really good, especially because Rashford was determined to be offside next to him, <laughs> so he didn't have a pass. He convinced Mendy that he did. <laughs> um, I wanted to to ask a question about the the starting lineup, specifically the, the defence line, because we saw Trevor Chalobah again. Do you think this is about his form or Andreas Christensen not having put pen to paper on the contract yet? <sighs> I. It's a difficult one to answer, Matt. Um, I'd like to think that these, you know, the, the, the thought did kind of cross my mind when I, when you know, when I saw Christensen on the bench for the last few games. Um, but I don't, I don't think that Tuchel picks his team that way. I mean, I hope he doesn't. Um, you know what what's going on with contract negotiations is, as as Tuchel says, it's a matter for the club. And the player, I don't think Tuchel necessarily gets involved in that too much. So you would hope it wouldn't impact his selection. Chalobah's just been playing really well um, on the right of that back three. And uh, I think there's been a perfectly credible argument for keeping him in the team and letting him get a bit of rhythm. He certainly wasn't a reason why Chelsea slipped up against United. Uh, I thought he had another very solid game. He's He's very, very reliable in possession, even when he's not necessarily you know playing really incisive forward passes he just always makes the right decision very calm um i think i think the presence of tiago silva next to him really helps him as well and uh yeah i just think it's an extension of tuchel showing a lot of faith to chalibur and i think as much of the reason why christensen isn't playing is because silva um has been playing brilliantly the last few weeks you know it, it's not just his defensive reading of the game but his passing I mean that that early Hudson-Odoi chance comes from another amazing diagonal um, from Thiago Silva right onto the head of Marcus Alonso that creates the overload he's just been doing that over and over again in the last few games really dissecting opponents and um, 
and that would be the other position that Christensen would play in this back three. So that those two things, I think, are the main reasons. So Chalibur, I thought, was okay in this game, Don, but you pointed out in your piece that the rest of the Cobham kids were a little disappointing from, from what had happened against Juventus. And, and particularly, this felt like a game that Ruben Loftus-Cheek could have taken by the scruff of the neck, but was a little conservative for, for most of it. This is, I don't want this to come across as me having a go at Ruben Loftus-Cheek because I I really want him to be a permanent fixture in this Chelsea team. I love his him to bits. I love his his style of football to bits. I think he's he's got everything. He could be anything in the game. However, there are times when I watch him where he infuriates me, where he he's sort of purring around the pitch, but you actually want him to to grab the game and, and absolutely stampede all over it because he's got the physique, he's got the he's got that burst of pace, he's got that gliding energy, he's got the strength, he's got the quality on the ball. And it, it feels as if he plays within himself. It just feels as if there's something psychological that stops him from doing that sometimes. And it may be a legacy of injuries. It, it, may, it may be that there have been so many untimely setbacks in his career, possibly. It, it, it may, maybe his, his character isn't to do that. But he, he, everybody, everybody who, who watches Chelsea and, and for any regularity can see that he's got everything about his game. And and that was the that was a case in point on on Sunday because he he had opportunities. He, the, the clearest of them was a header at um, I think it was Mount's corner, where he he's risen above everybody else in the in the six yard box and he's shouldered it wide. He's just mistimed the header. He's just mistimed his jump slightly. But the, the amount of times he when he's got the ball at his feet and he's going into the area, it's it's almost like he takes forever takes one touch too many he wants it to be perfectly on a plate for him before he he takes the shot on well sometimes you just look at him and say just just put your foot through it man just just give it a go just 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 see what happens because because he has got that ability to to completely wrest a contest like that away from an opponent and for him to dominate midfield he he does have that it's in him I just want to see more of it. I, I, I really, really hope that that. I mean, if 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 Kante is out for a period of time, um, and we're still waiting on on news on the on the knee injury, but this is his opportunity. This is his moment. This is his chance to 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 really show showcase what he can do. And I was frustrated with him on Sunday when really his his performance was that close to being brilliant, but it wasn't brilliant. It just needed that. He just needed to just push himself a bit further and and take that last risk rather than being safe. Can I just make one point in Loftus-Cheek's defence in response to Dom's brutal evisceration of of his (laughs) entire game and everything he stands for? (laughs) The one thing I would say is that I I think there's a tactical element to maybe why you see Loftus-Cheek looking like he's a bit more within himself because he's waited a long time for any Chelsea coach to trust him in kind of a controlling midfield role. No one has ever played him as as like one of a midfield two or, you know, at the base of a of a 4-2-3-1 or something. He's always been the 10 or mm. the forward or at, at, at the at the least the at the box to box guy with guys behind him. And I think in those roles he's got a lot more freedom to just get the ball and drive and do the things you were talking about, Dom, where he, he doesn't have to necessarily worry about cover behind him. But in this system, particularly when Kante isn't playing, 
he's basically just leaving Jorginho on his own if he does that. And in a game like this one, where you know I think Tuchel really stressed afterwards, it was a real point of emphasis for Chelsea going in to deny Man United counter-attacks, to deny Bruno Fernandes the opportunity to turn and play those passes into their fast runners. Um, and I just think that would have been on Loftus-Cheek's mind, just as it would have been impressed on all of Chelsea's midfielders, that you have to you have to be disciplined and, and try and control the game in that situation rather than, um, you know, really bursting forward at every opportunity and trying to make something happen. I, I completely agree with that. You, you, you're right. It, he, he does have a different kind of brief in, in this formation, but that isn't my complaint. It's it's when he does get in the box that, that, that he was infuriating me. I thought everything he did outside the box was pretty good and, and everything that was asked of him, but, but there were t- occasions where he found himself with, with those quick feet of his in the penalty area and rather than taking on a shot he shifted it one past one extra touch just to to get the angle even better or he he took a you know he passed it laid it off to someone else and i I just when he's in those situations i want to see more from him that's that's what it is when you're absolutely right in terms of the the discipline he showed when he was you know, defensive-minded in in the in those in that midfield brief. Absolutely, he he got that right. But he's more he's capable of more than that. He can do both. He can do both within the game. And uh, I, I just wanted him to take that game by the scruff of the neck, and he, he didn't quite manage to do that. We get it, Dom. You're all about Conor Gallagher now. It's fine. <laughs> the current Palace loney. Yeah, yeah. Once once they leave Selhurst Park, that's it. Uh, before we move on from this game, Dom, do you think that? Thomas Tuchel was being genuine when when he talked about how pleased he was with not just this performance but Burnley as well, or is he just covering for the players? It's a good question. Um, it was Lucy's question that one. That, that's why it's a good one. It's not mine. <laughs> I, 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 I had guessed as much. Um, <laughs> like he said the right thing publicly, definitely, and and I suspect he 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 said that he he's, he spoke to the players in the dressing room afterwards and said they've done really really well and I I believe him on that I don't think he's I don't think he's lied to us on that but but he knows and his coaching staff know and they will spend the next they haven't got long before Watford obviously but they will spend Monday working out definitely spend Monday working out how they convert some of these chances that are being created and and whether that that goes back, as Liam says, that goes back to how they use Lukaku, how they integrate Lukaku, and and they they acknowledge, they all acknowledge already that Lukaku changes everything really in terms of, I mean, in a good way and a bad way in terms of Chelsea's approach play. They will not be as fluent and as fluid up in that front three with Lukaku in the team. They just simply won't be. Um, he is more static as a as a focal point to that to that side. But then the the counterbalance of that is is. Is hugely positive because he's a natural goal scorer. He's a finisher. He's somebody that that won't be anxious or snatching at, at chances when he's in the positions that Timo Werner finds himself in. Unfortunately, um, so it's just a matter of striking up the kind of relationships that that say I don't know Jaden Sancho had with Haaland at Borussia Dortmund that where they, where you instinctively know what the striker is going to do in any scenario. And the reality is that having come in late in the window. And done well initially, but then had all the international breaks breaking things up, and then to suffer the a five week rehab for a, on the ankle injury. Chelsea haven't had the time yet, really, to strike up any kind of relationships within the group with Lukaku and to work out how best to use him. That is still a work 
in progress, basically. And But this next run of games, if he's now fit, and the fact that he came off the bench for the last eight minutes suggests that he will play more of a part against Watford and, and maybe West Ham at the weekend, um, that, that has got to be the priority, trying to find a way to tap into his qualities. And, and that hopefully, as Liam says, he was brought to make the difference and hopefully he will show why he was bought in the in the weeks and months to come. Well, those two drop points on Sunday allowed Manchester City to cut the gap on the Blues to just a single point. Chelsea don't have to wait long for their next Premier League assignment. We'll preview the game at Watford next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, who doesn't love a midweek round of Premier League games? A couple of them being played on a Thursday, which is odd, but doesn't matter to Chelsea. They go to Watford on Wednesday night. And given what we've just been speaking about, Liam, am I right in, in assuming that Romelu Lukaku will start this game? I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. Um, like Dom said, I think you know him him playing a kind of bench role in this game was probably made with a view to um, really ramping up his minutes in the in the games ahead. And Watford seems like the perfect opportunity to to bring him in. I know I know Watford looked great against uh, Ollie's Manchester United, but um, you know Chelsea should be going into that game thinking that they're going to dominate to an even greater extent than they did against United in terms of possession and, and general play. And it should be the kind of game that they, they'll they fancy themselves to create a lot of chances for Lukaku to get himself back into some sort of rhythm. Um, so I, I think he'll play. The rest of the team is, is less easy to predict. Um, I think a big issue now with Chilwell out for an extended period is is what do you do to avoid overextending Alonso? Um, because he, he he does keep himself in good condition, but it's a lot to ask for any player um, to to play every every three days. And as deep as Chelsea's squad is, it's the one position really where you could argue that they've only got two high quality specialists um, in the squad. Especially now Emerson's gone. So is it as Pelaqueta? Is it one of the wingers maybe that plays left wing back? Um, We'll have to see, but I, you know, I, I don't. Even if Alonso starts against Watford, I think that's a question that Tuchel will be wrestling with in the in the games to come. I guess the other big selection decision, Dom, will, will be in those front three places. If we assume that Lukaku will play, maybe Hudson Odoi or Ziyech might give way, so a Pulisic amount or even a Havertz could come in. Yeah, I thought Pulisic did himself some favours with with that little performance against United. I thought he did, he was bright. He set up Rudiger for the critical chance in stoppage time. Um, he was a nuisance down that right, and he was playing effectively in the Reese James role. 
I mean, you, you, yeah, you could play him as one of those tens. I think they'll, they'll. I think Tuka will instinctively want to reintegrate Mount in there definitely sooner rather than later. And Hudson Odoi has actually done done really well in this sort of stretch of games. I mean, he was he was slightly more anxious on 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 Sunday and and but, but again he did offer a threat. He 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 did carry the ball well. Maybe when you go to a, a, a team like. Watford, who are wildly inconsistent, but but look as if with the defence and the injuries that they've got at the moment, that they might be there for the taking. Maybe that's a, a game where you ask Hudson Odoi to play left wing back. Maybe that's maybe that if if you're if you're concerned about Marcus Alonso and you think that West Ham might offer more of a threat at the weekend, then then use that as an opportunity to to, to ask Hudson Odoi to fill in that role. So you're, you're not taking too much away from Reese James, and you're not shifting him onto the other side and and losing some of his natural. Um, verve on the right, um, and then you can maybe incorporate, yeah, freshen things up a bit. Maybe have Mount and Pulisic as the as the two behind a Lukaku. It's it just there are options there, but it's as I say, it's about striking up the relationships. It's about trying to work out what's what's going to bring the best out of your your main man. And and I, I mean, I really hope that Lukaku starts in midweek because. Watford's Watford's defence looks a bit ranshackle, and I imagine it's a it's a good opportunity for him to to get some confidence and build up build up a bit of bit of game time, maybe a couple of goals in there as well, and and then he can go into this run of more daunting fixtures, all trickier fixtures, with a with a bit more confidence behind him. It's a, it feels like a, a kind of pivotal game almost, given that that City have got a relatively tricky assignment. You'd think at Aston Villa and, and Liverpool go to Everton with all that that entails. Uh, so it feels like Chelsea really could do with getting three points here. They'll be coming up against one of their former managers, Liam. Second game in a row that Claudio Ranieri will be reunited with an old club. I just wonder how he's viewed by Chelsea supporters and the club now. Obviously, a lot of time has passed since he left. Is it is it kind of ah that sweet, kindly old Uncle Claudio vibe that, that, that we get from him? Yeah, I think it's always been pretty warm, hasn't it? Um, I think I think there was. The frustration with with Ranieri and the Chelsea fan base sort of culminated around that Monaco Champions League semi final and the, the 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 crazy substitutions he made to kind of really um, really scupper that for for Chelsea their chances of winning the Champions League that season. But once he was gone, and Chelsea were winning under Mourinho, I think um, you know I think from that point on it's it's been very warm towards Ranieri. You saw the reception he got at Stamford Bridge when Leicester won the league. You know, it felt like that was that was a triumph that Chelsea took a sort of vicarious joy in, uh, and not just because it came at the expense of Tottenham and, and you know Eden Hazard's assist and everything that was involved in that. I think there was a genuine, um, I think there was a genuine happiness for Ranieri, who had kind of been an an eternal runner up across Europe's major leagues, um, to actually get the unlikeliest of of league titles. Um, so yeah, Chelsea fans like him. I, I think the the Chelsea hierarchy like him. He's he, he's a he's a warm um, he's a warm guy. Um, he seems to be pretty well, yeah, pretty well liked within the game. And I'm sure he'll get um, a nice um, a nice reception from the Chelsea contingent on Wednesday. It's in the middle of a tough run. Leicester on Sunday, Chelsea midweek. Then they host Manchester City. Uh, what do you think, Dom? Are Chelsea going to get the job done here? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I think so, not least because um, because of the sort of negativity that I've put in the article today, so they're about <laughs> to bounce back with a 4-0 away win. Um, 
Yeah, I think they will. I think Watford are there for the taking, basically. I think Leicester showed that at the weekend with their 4-2 win. Um, I think they've lost five of their last seven Premier League games as well. So that they're not, they're not in great form. And that and that four-one win over over United was maybe a bit deceptive. They'll they'll offer a, a, a threat. They'll be energetic and aggressive. But if Ishmael Assar is absent again, as he was at the weekend, then that's a massive boost to Chelsea. Um, and that bat line, as I say, just feels a bit of a mishmash at the moment. They're they're, they're lacking key personnel there. I would suggest that they're there for the taking. It's a half past seven kickoff UK time on Wednesday, of course. We will be reacting to it in our Thursday pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, no game for the women's team this weekend because of the international break. But on Thursday's show, we'll be previewing the FA Cup final, which takes place next weekend. We'll have a special guest with us to do that. Uh, In terms of the men's academy sides, both drew this weekend. The under-23s held one all by Brighton on Friday night in PL2. Harvey Vale got the equalising goal seven minutes after half-time. Athletic subscribers can still read Simon's piece on Vale, which was published earlier this month. At the under-18s, they drew 3-3 away to Derby on a freezing day in the East Midlands on Saturday. Uh, this was in the under-18 Premier League Cup. The point ensured that Chelsea progressed to the quarterfinals of that competition. Luke Badley-Morgan, Charlie Webster and Malik Mothersill got the Chelsea goals in that one. Right, before we go, I know it's a Monday, not a Thursday, but I did write a mini quiz. It's just literally just one question. Uh, whoever whoever gets it first wins the non-existent <laughs> prize. Which former Chelsea captain has a son on the books at Watford? This is so easy. Given what happened on Thursday, I'm amazed that you're even needing to think about this, Dom. Liam, you're looking puzzled. Dennis Wise. Given what happened on Thursday. Yeah, they got every one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's Dennis Wise. Do you know what his son's name is? No. Harry? <laughs> it was the little boy who lifted the cup in 2000 with him. Uh, his name is Henry. They've also got Maurizio Pochettino's son, who is Maurizio yeah. with a Z. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't think he's ever going to play for Watford, but there you go. They'll probably play and score on Wednesday now that I've said that. <laughs> uh, we will be back on Thursday when, as well as reacting to the Watford game, we will look ahead to the trip to East London to face West Ham and that tantalising FA Cup final for the women against Arsenal. Until Thursday then, from Dom, from Liam, from producer Lucy and me, it's goodbye for now. I, w- I would have guessed Dennis Wise, but I stayed silent in protest at a Monday quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> The Athletic.